everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Marissa Russell of Creative You, and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Waymatea Ellis. Waymatea is a network marketing leader mentor, motivational speaker, minister, and musician. She offers a unique approach to success, wellness, and living life authentically, peacefully, and joyfully. Way is a homeschooling mom of two girls and makes her home in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So welcome, Way Matea. Thank you, Larissa. So nice to be here. I'm excited to have you. <laughs> and we live in the same city and we, you know, I haven't I know. met you. And so. <laughs> it's, so grand, it's kind of cross paths, I think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Can you share some of your story that's brought you to where you are now? Certainly. And I, when, I, when I think about my story, there's a lot of legs to the story. Um, you know, I grew up here in Alberta, uh, Canada. I grew up in a small town in a mixed race family. And so there's a whole lot that I've experienced in, in my childhood, where, um, you know, I wasn't necessarily seeing myself reflected around me. But I think it, it, it considerably prepared me for living a, an adult life where I don't see a whole lot of me reflected back at me. But I also see the value in introducing um, things that are new into circles that maybe never heard of them before. So that's the broad brush of my, my background. Um, and what brought me to my healing practice is a life of living, you know, pockets of trauma, having had experiences that um, were, were hard on me as a child and then as an adult. And probably about nine years ago, I was married, had stopped teaching. I'm a, a teach school teacher. And I was, my band was really taking off. Um, it's a reggae band and we were, we were really taking off. So I, my husband, who was my drummer and we were in a band together, uh, we started going through a, um, a separation. And so a lot of asking in my heart happened in those days because I was really enjoying being a homeschooling mom, really enjoying, uh, you know, that kind of dream come true for me to, for my two girls and then facing, uh, you know, do I have to go back to school? Do I have to, um, I, I walked away from my house. I mean, we really did have a tough year. And, but in that, in that whole time, I never, ever stopped asking the universe for the answers. I just kept saying, please just show me, show me how I can be a homeschooling mom and a single mom and a happy present joyful mom and also my heart's desire has always been to help people and I really do believe that all the online um, offerings that I have now and even my network marketing um, company it's all the fruit of all of those prayers and 
uh, there was a time that I was doing a ministry program where I was actually on a call in that dark, dark time. And, and I was sitting on the call of this international call of all these beautiful, you know, students around the world. And I just felt so shut down and so lost. And I remember being on the call and it was just like my sweating and anger and literally just felt like I was doing this, right? I probably was doing this, like covering my head with my blankets just on the phone. And I, something made me press one to say, I like to put my hand up. And our director said, yes, Matea, do you want to share? And I said, yeah, I'm feeling like I actually have n- nothing to offer. I don't know if I belong here. I'd like to be a person of contribute contributing to the calls or having a spiritual experience, but all I'm doing is finding myself. My life is just spiraling down and down and down. And I just honestly don't even know why I'm here. And uh, there was a silence. And then she said, way Matea, I want to thank you for sharing exactly why we have this community. We want there to be a place where you can come and just you know, surrender. We want there to be a place where you can come and not be asked of anything, that this place is a soft place to land. And Larissa, that was probably the turning point of my deep, dark spiral because for the first time in my life, I felt like I could just be Mm. and that I was enough just being there. And that Mm -hmm. I felt that sacred witnessing of everyone who held me on that call and of that spiritual director who just said, thank you for sharing. So that's when I um, had a turnaround and I made up my mind to start offering that into my community, a place for women to land um, and be. And that magic sacred witness moment is life-changing for, it was for me and it is for so many other women. So that's how I came to be offering all of the things that I offer now. Oh, I love that. And it, it's it's quite often so true that we have to sort of reach that pit first, right? Mm-hmm. That that bottom of the of the barrel type of thing before we can start to come back out. But quite often there is that pivotal moment, that one thing that we remember and and yeah, what a beautiful story though. Thank you. So, what does healing with creativity mean to you? Well, um It means to me that we all have inside of ourselves a direct dial-up to creation and that we can all be creative um, when given that door open or those keys or those tools. So healing for me has been an act of creativity because I actively wrote letters to the universe. I actively spoke things into truth. Uh, when we didn't have enough food in the fridge, I was so happy and grateful for the abundance of food. I mean, I just live this. I live it all day. So, um, and I do believe that each of us has those tools for healing when we access that intelligence that each of us is totally naturally born into and are of. So, you know, it's just a a matter of having permission or uh, giving ourselves permission to heal and have a vision past what is present or what has been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And so then what inspires you in the work that you do? You know, I, I, 
I love, I love the look in someone's eyes when they feel that truth. That I live for. That deep breath in going, like, it's in me. I have, I have the truth. That I, I mean, I used to teach school K to 12. I taught all grades. I've been teaching since I was a teenager, even previous to that, skating teacher, swimming teacher, all the things. The moment of awakening to their own perfection, I just love, I, I literally love, I live for that in my own kids. Like, oh, you know, that's, that inspires me. Oh, I love that. Cause it's so true. I, and I say that all the time with my, my coaching clients is like when they have that light bulb moment, when that aha hits them, it's like, oh, this is why I do what I do. Right. Yeah. This is why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a little bit different subject, but what are your thoughts about monetizing healing and or creative works? There's a lot of talk about that. Yeah. Well, I'll talk about it from two different vantage points, one as a musician and the other as a, a doing healing work. Um, I think that uh, we're given a gift in, in music, for example, I have this like joy of sharing the music. I love it. I love getting on stage. I love the exchange of energy. I love what happens in, in, a, in a, this beautiful 45 minute set can be transformational for me and also the audience what's this beautiful thing that the band all takes part in and everything and um at the beginning of my band soldier fire was is my band we ran a 15 year uh, canadian uh stint i suppose and at the beginning i was signing us up for all these gigs for free because people were phoning and they're like hey, we have this charity. Hey, we have this fundraiser. And I was like, oh yeah, we'll do it. And then the guys were like, I remember my, my friend Paul, who was a co-manager, he stepped in and said, do you want some help with that part? I'm like, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> so he took over and all of a sudden we were getting like paid gigs, like really, really well paid gigs. And I mean, it, it, was, a, it was something that I, I would have, it just was the difference between being an amateur and a professional, but it's also just the difference between believing that what I had to offer was a value and, mm. or whether or not, I just really wanted people to hear it or experience it. Um, so for that, um, I still believe in doing things for the generosity of our hearts, but because we were, you know, it's how we make a living. It's nice because we train, we, we buy our equipment, we rehearse, we pay for rehearsal space, we pay for babysitters, we pay for gas to get to places. Um, so getting paid was obviously important and selling CDs and, and at the time, I don't know if anybody does that anymore. So, but then, you know, so that I've really fully stepped into and that's only when that happened where we, we have the means to then grow and we ended up having like best reggae band in Canada awards and traveling from across, you know, doing Juno nominated in, in, in 2007 and all these really amazing things happened to us because we had the means to do it. So without that, we would have just been playing in people's garages. So um, yes, I, I did love that. And then moving that mindset into the, the healing arts um, I have always offered a, uh, 
you know, gifting spots in my women's circle, gifting spots, because without gifting, I wouldn't be here. I've been through a lot of things where people just offered me things and helped me through. Um, and uh, I do believe that some sacred practices, I, I would rather take an offering, for, you know, if somebody has an offering, uh, than to put a, a list price for this specific thing. That being said, um, I don't, I can't survive without monetizing my gift. And so I think of it in the same way, like how can I uh, leverage uh, uh, what I'm offering so that I can actually reach more people and it changes my mindset about charging. And I've, I've you know, I, I look at some programs and I see they're charging this and I, I don't question it. I think wherever they are, whatever their frequency is and they're, they're making that work um, I think it's just for myself, it's important that whatever I'm receiving, which I do, I market on Facebook, I have my women's circle, uh, like it, it is, it's, it's a subscription basis, people, it's very affordable, but it's, it's, it's definitely costs money. Um, I think I would like it if it was just accessible to enough people, but that people accessing it have skin in the game, because if they don't, they don't take it for value. And, and often, and all through the times that all the years that I've offered my circles and my pro and I mean, massage therapy and Reiki and all the rest of the, the things, I find that the transformation happens more quickly in those who have put skin in the game. I just, yeah. I have found that to be that. And also, I find that when I offer a gifting spot, the sister who's receiving it struggles with receiving it and often will stop coming because so I've just said, I've kind of said to people like it's a pay there. I have a Sunday morning circle right now that I run. It's a free slash pay what you can. There's a PayPal link, but everyone can come. It's kind of like Sunday service, right? The plate mm -hmm. goes around and if you have, you do. Um, but then I have my coaching program, which is an up level from that. And then they're getting more value, more tools, more of that, like body, mind, and spirit, 360 degrees of transformation, but they have skin in the game. So that's how yeah. I, I find my balance with it. And I think um, same with me when I was gifted a ton of, first of all, trauma therapy, and then, then I was able to turn around and now I actively refer to that person because she saved my life but she also then as I got more stable she started to charge me and now I'm in a position where I can pay for the service but I also pay it forward with her and refer all the time so I think it's always the sacred exchange of energy um, mm -hmm. that we can all take part in you know and so that nobody feels like they're getting handouts but people all feel like they can access it if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point that you make because we do as healers, especially we want to help as many people as possible, but we can't always do that if we give everything away, right? Because yeah. um, we have bills to pay too and, and things like that. But it's very true what you say about that skin in the game because people, there are some people who absolutely will try 100% because they've been given it. But the majority, it's some sort of mindset that it's free, it doesn't have that value, right? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's very interesting. Or, or it's free and there's a little bit of like, I wish that I could pay it. And then it's like that conversation of mm. guilt, you know? And I, cause I do have a lot of um, women who, who really value it, but then they think, I don't know if I'm, if I qualify for it because I haven't yeah. paid for it. So it's like, even just like 
I used to take food bank offerings as a, as a, um, as a payment or, you know, anything like anything that could just have them bring it because then there's that exchange and the divine or energy or however you see all of that feels the exchange. And then the, the, per, the person can receive the healing. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because if you don't feel like you're valued, like, you know, the person who's receiving the free offering, if they don't feel like they deserve it, yeah, then yeah, then they're not going to get the full benefit of it either, are they? So, yeah. And I just want to add one more thing. One other way of, of payment that that uh, is is some people don't really realize, and this is the the my my direct selling company coming out in me, like my leadership in there. A referral is a payment. Mm-hmm. Like if if you if a person is not monetarily able to contribute referring people is huge right just word of mouth Mm. is major so there's so many ways to exchange and receive yeah yeah i love that referrals are so important so yes oh yeah definitely what would you say is the creative healing modality that you use the most for yourself words words written Um, I have ever since I was, like I was, when I was a teenager, I was a suicidal teenager. I had a lot of issues. I had a lot of challenges and somebody, when, uh, this was 1987, 88, uh, a friend, a a member of my family handed me an Abraham Hicks cassette and said, Mm -hmm. here, have a listen. And then she handed me another one. Then she handed me another one. And I learned really early that I had, uh, agency in my own life. So I have been writing since then. Everything I've accomplished with my band, even to the, the crowd size. Like I, I remember writing, I think I wrote like, I'm so happy and grateful now that we've played for a crowd of 60,000 people. I, I could pick that number. That's the largest crowd I've ever played for. Literally that number. So I, I have always watched the, the, the written word, what I feel. I do it every single day. I have a book right here. I've written my five-year vision statement of myself. It's like, I don't know, 10 pages long. It's a, it's a day in the life of me as, I'm, as if I'm writing in the diary of myself five years from now with all the things that I'm creating. That's my, that's my favorite mode because it's so tangible because then I can look back and I can say, look, I actually wrote. I, I, my direct selling company is Neora. I, I sell anti-aging skincare. In my letter, 22 pages to the universe on August 11th, 2006, 2015, I wrote, I'm so happy and grateful now that there is a, there's a way that I can look good, that I look younger, I feel good, and that I'm making money from home. And literally that just landed in my lap. So words are power. And mm-hmm. so speaking truth into uh, our lives, I feel like it's one of the most accessible to everyone mode of creativity that there is. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And I talk about that a lot with my coaching clients too. And, you know, those affirmations and the and the language we use and the, the stories we tell ourselves. And so constantly reinforcing those messages to ourselves that are that are changing things, but writing things down makes such a difference, right? Because words in your uh, thoughts and words that you may speak aloud can be very fleeting, come and go. You write them down. They're there. Yeah. And then you can go back to them. And yeah. yeah. And then there's no arguing and there's no arguing. Look back and say, (laughs) I made that. I did that. (laughs) So what would you say you're the proudest of in your life? 
I, I am the most proud of my, my parenting relationship with my children. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am. When I was a little girl, I used to make plans of how I would parent. I had lists of things I wanted to do with my future children. I was sitting in grade five when, you know, I was this, the only child of color and it was tough. And I used to just be like, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure my kids feel like they belong. And I just had all these wishes and dreams. And so parenting them is a dream come true for me. And they give me feedback lots and they're free to do that. Um, and it's not perfect. I'm not, I don't want anyone to think that I'm like this Zen mom. I've got a hot temper. I, 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 I'm not that Zen mom, but I strive to be present and have a peaceful home and for them to have a voice and for them to be free. We're unschoolers. I've unschooled them all the way through. That means that they don't have like a set curriculum. They, they follow their, their passions. My daughter is 16 and we are registering her for her first undergrad course um, at university. Like we are, 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 I have, I have so much pride. <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong word. I'm very proud of, of that. That was a dream come true for me to have these good relationships. Mm, that, that's, that's a great thing to be proud of, right? To be, have relationships are so important, especially with our children mm -hmm. and to have built, you know, that dream relationship with your children is, yeah. I think there's probably a lot of envious mothers out there. <laughs> <laughs> failing forward, failing forward. That's how I do it. <laughs> and stay in the heart, right? Just staying in my heart and, and being open to receiving their feedback. Like my, my eldest is very astute. Like she's very observant. She's, she's pretty cool on the surface. A lot goes on underneath. And she'll just sometimes say, mom, I'm noticing that you said this, but your actions are this. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to be humble and, and receive that. And then it gives her a voice where, I mean, my parents were amazing in encouraged me to be who I am. But I was raised in a strict uh, way, which I often felt like I didn't want to speak what my truth was because <laughs> I didn't want to disrespect or you know, so I, my kids are, we still have this really strict sort of format. Everybody says please and thank you. And all the things that West Indian, a good West Indian background will, will provide for a child. And also the, the, I just really value, they're not in the school system and this is not against teachers or anything. It's just the system that, that formed me to be really obedient and, and to not question. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted them to have the best of all of that, a loving relationship and also freedom to discover themselves, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's interesting that you say we've seen so many changes this year with, with COVID and everything. And thinking about the obedience, right? Mm -hmm. And and kids in school. And now that kids are out of school, it's really, they, they don't know where their place is. I know. And um, as you know, my partner's a teacher. And um, I also have grandkids that are in the school system. Mm -hmm. And trying to teach them to have a voice I know. in the school system is really hard. But then there's there's benefits of the school system. And, we could go on and on about that. Absolutely. But, um, That's a whole different call. We should do that because I would love to talk about that. <laughs> we absolutely could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that learning to have a voice um, right now and this year, I feel like there's this struggle with people who want to have a voice because mm -hmm. things are changing 
And then, but they don't really know how to do that because they haven't been taught that. Yeah. So I think, you know, teaching your kids that from a, a young age, mm-hmm. whether in school or not, I mean, I've always been taught to have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing I would say of, of my narcissistic uh, sociopathic father. The one thing he did teach me was I am no less important than anyone else. Right. So um, I, I have a voice and I should use it. And so I do. Um, but that is not the norm. That is not the norm. So especially for women, especially yeah. for women. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that, you know, I was lucky because my parents both always um, put out, put me like I was the firstborn uh, and I was always performing and I was always like, my dad would open up the garage on a Sunday morning in small town, Alberta and place, we would have steel band practice. Okay. Mm. On a Sunday morning. So <laughs> we were just raised to be like, we're loud and, and we're, we're proud. And also, um, but, but he also used to say, you're going to have to work harder than, than everyone else. Just please know that you'll have to work harder. And so I, I just, you know, I feel grateful for that. Um, and having that voice has come in my adulthood going, oh, it's okay to speak out of turn or whatever. So I had some good foundational tools, but now I feel like I get to say, say, say things now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to yeah. teach your kids that so important, so Thank important. You. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? Well, you know, right now, we're seeing this amplification of, um, of some dysfunction in our, in our culture. And the biggest one I feel is, is the most painful one is the, is the default to not being compassionate, (laughs) the default to uh, judgment. So if I were to change anything through my work, I would, I would hope to, instill in as many women and men and children as possible self-compassion, self-forgiveness, self-benefit of the doubt, because then when they go out into the world, they would reflect self-compassion, which would then in turn be compassion. Self-benefit of the doubt would then become benefit of the doubt. So my intention with this work is to open as many hearts to how gloriously uh, tender it can be to be vulnerable and sweet and, and, and understanding because then only then will we start to see different comments in Facebook feeds note to self. Mm -hmm. Don't ever read them. Um, But like different uh, discourse that will help to just, it's alive and well, love is, is truth. This is, it is, it just is. And we've got this shadow on top of it right now that I would hope that, you know, if more open their hearts, that we would see that reflected more. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that because almost everyone I talk to says some version of that, right? <laughs> About, you know, uh, bringing more love and, and, and getting people to care about others or care about themselves and, you know, love, love, love. And I say it too, right? Like that's the energy that we need to. And the struggle is real because um, we have not been raised that way. We have not been raised with that compassion and self-love and uh, empathy for the most part. And so it's a real struggle to, um, to get there. 
but the more people that we can um, communicate with and share with and share our story. And, and this is one of the reasons I do the podcast because, you know, I have a, a client base, but that's, you know, X number of people, but then the podcast can literally reach anyone in the world, right? Mm-hmm. If you choose to. And so being able to share that story and being able to um, let other people's voices be heard you know, maybe one person each time, like just one each time I put one out there, you know, and, and, and just change the world a little bit at a time. Yeah. A little bit. And remembering that we have things to offer. That's right. And I'm going to offer a really super easy tool that I used really when I was teaching, I used to teach at one point I was teaching uh, elementary music. So I had K to six, all the kids. And I would just take the sheet at the beginning of the year with all the names and I would write a positive aspect about every single child that came through my door. And this is something that if, if someone is what wants to do that, write a list of everyone that you circle with in your life and just write something about them. They laugh awesome or they're very kind or thoughtful or you know, especially even the challenging people like just find like you like their shoes write down that you like their shoes whatever is easy to access but then that just awakens the that piece it's not it doesn't take a ton of work it's just to start to have a lens for the the, the good right having a mm. lens for the good and then the good will just come in um more to your vision so mm-hmm. i love that you're doing I this love that. i love that a lot of people are are, uh, you know, it sounds like everybody's aware that love is truth and love is real. And we just need to open it up. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, quite often we know it, but then how do we share it? Right? How do we share that knowledge? How do we share that love? Right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not normal. You don't go up to a stranger and say, I love your shoes. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I love yeah. the outfit you're wearing today. Or you seem like a really nice person. Like, that's not something yeah. we do. Yeah. But maybe maybe we could right oh maybe you know could do that it's so funny I've done that my whole life I have one of my siblings is like you don't have to personally identify with everybody we meet but like I I, I do have those kinds of stranger uh you know waitress and or or in the bathroom conversations because I'm always looking for it I'm looking for mm-hmm. love I'm looking for love and it's always there that's the amazing thing so I would love it if everybody did it <laughs> there and find someone to love today <laughs> I, it's so interesting yeah oh, I say interesting a lot but um so my partner Tammy you know mm-hmm. she she's very much like that she, she loves to talk to everybody and just you know bring joy and and compliment people and you know and so me who lives in my head all the time has learned to like stop and oh pay attention because you know, I connect with people more one-on-one, but out in the world, I kind of close in a bit. So, you know, having her remind me, then I'm like, oh, I, I'll, I'll say something nice because, you know, that'll make their day. Yeah. <laughs> it costs me nothing to do that. That's right. right. But yeah. I have to stop and think about it because it's not the norm for me, whereas yeah. it's the norm for her. She just like, just out there, you know, being joyful with everybody. <laughs> I remember that from meeting her. I, I, I noticed that right away. She's very, yeah. she, and she's so aware. She's just in, she's in the room and aware and looking for that connection. And I really like that about her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome in your work? And if so, how have you gotten over that? 
Well, I definitely did when I stepped into network marketing because uh, I've always really loved the idea of being my own business owner and I've owned my own business for years and years. But I have found that that direct selling world really had me challenged for uh, who I am. And I, I'm, an, I'm a natural born leader. Like I've always been a teacher. I, I'm very comfortable in that, in that capacity. But for some reason, that one just for me has, I'm four and a half years in, I'm very having a good time. Like I've earned my car and all the good stuff. Like I'm, I'm, but I still, even last night I had a conversation, like I tend to defer, you know, if someone's asked me to step into leadership, this kind of conversation, I'm not nervous at all, but in that capacity, I'm shaking. I'm like, really? So it's, um, it's been a good challenge for me to stretch myself because I never want to be representing myself falsely. I always want to just really be real. And if I'm, so what I've learned to do is to just speak it. I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be training and I'll be like, uh, this makes me uncomfortable or I'm out of my comfort zone, or this is something that's new for me. And I think that just makes it uh, maybe a little bit more accessible to people who aren't naturally teachers, aren't naturally outgoing or want to be, you know, uh, out front in the spotlight or on the microphone. Um, So definitely that has been maybe the best journey for personal development for me. And just really stepping into like this other version of myself where I'm like, I'm proud to, to, to uh, grow in public. <laughs> like it's, it's interest. It's a good practice for sure. Mm-hmm. And whenever we sort of step out of that comfort zone, we do grow, right? We yeah. do allow ourselves to grow. And, and I encourage that in everyone I work with, like try something new and, but, but yeah, be real about it. You acknowledge that you're afraid or acknowledge that this is out of your comfort zone, but yeah. still do it, still try it, still, you know, to, yeah. to, because that's how you become comfortable with it. That's right. So that feeling like an imposter, which often, you know, um, we know the things we know, but because it comes so easily to us, we think, oh, what do we have to offer? Yeah. Right. Um, that's the other part of that imposter syndrome. And, um, you know, as we start to share it, we realize not everybody knows what we know. And so we become more comfortable in, in what we know. So, yeah, I think getting ourselves out there, putting ourselves out there is really important. Really important. Definitely. And even in the healing area, um, because I, I have a grand, like my family has this gift of, of sight. So I've, I've had that my whole life. And even that I've struggled with. I, I doubt my own ability all the time. I, so when I work with people, I don't say, I, I don't say anything except for like what the conventional practice would be, but I've got all this other information. So sometimes I actually force myself before sharing with the client, I'll write everything down and then I'll put my pen down and go, okay, tell me what you've experienced. And then what they've experienced is, is written on the paper. And that's how I confirm for myself. Cause I'm even after all these years of that work, I still, I still doubt. I and I think it's a healthy thing to be skeptical. I don't want to believe my own hype too much. So that I get disconnected from those gifts. I want to really, you know, I ask, please show me hard, cold evidence that this is real. And then I'll, I'll get it. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then next week I'm going to doubt it again. So I think it's just important to keep on uh, being, you know, healthy, he- humbly healthy, hum- healthily humble, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so true. <laughs> so true. 
Um, do you have an inspirational quote that sort of sums up your life or the one that you live by? Well, I've always said share love at the end of every signature. Um, I don't know. I, I love quotes. I'm, I'm a big reader. I, there are so many. And I mean, I just, I just believe that we can share love and spread love and, and, and be love. So it's not that groundbreaking for me, but it's always in my mind. And if like, literally if I'm in that safe way in a lineup, I'm like loving actively everyone I see. Mm -hmm. So I just believe that we can share love and spread love. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to share with that we maybe haven't touched on today? Well, no, I, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And I, I, if anybody wants to be connected with me, um, I'm easy to find in social media because there's really literally only one way, Matea. And um, <laughs> so, and, you know, on Sunday mornings, I do have that circle. Everyone is welcome. The, the, we call ourselves joyful beings and joyful beings are obsessed with love. We, we are, we don't believe in becoming addicted to chaos. We just believe in doing our work. And so if you want to circle up with us, please just search joyful being on Facebook and I'll add you to the group or just search for mm-hmm. me and ask to be added. And everyone is welcome to that. It's one hour of meditation and a place to be seen. So I'd love to, to meet you all. I love that. Yeah. And we'll definitely put, make sure that your links are up as well so that um, so that people know exactly where to find you. Although awesome. you're tr- I've never heard of a, another way, Matea. I'm sure there's another one out there somewhere, but. Yeah, I'll just look so- for her. Where is she? <laughs> where is she? <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for being here today. I have enjoyed our conversations. Me too, Larissa. Thank you so much for, for inviting me. And thank you for always reminding me um, to, to, check my emails because uh, you're you're just such a sweet uh, um, person to have been so patient with me and I appreciate you and I wish you all the best with this podcast I hope it reaches all corners of everywhere and uh, just many blessings to you on your adventure oh thank you so much thank you so much I and I found that things happen in the time they need to happen so I'll send yeah. a reminder and then you know Sometimes I don't hear back from people even after that. So I'm like, okay, it's not the right time for that. Maybe we'll try again another time. And, you yeah. know, so I'm glad, I'm glad you responded though. So. You. <laughs> <laughs> so to our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Bye for now. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day. Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.